Welcome to the Joe Contractor Show, a podcast created by three regular Joes. The Joe Contractor Show is a place where trade professionals, business owners, and homeowners looking for solid advice and amusement can hear stories of great success and great failure in the turbulent and unpredictable world of construction. On the Joe Contractor Show, we dig deep into the realm of remodeling and construction. We chat with construction trade professionals, business owners, and homeowners alike. We support local independent contractors and those who put their trust in the hands of these capable and hardworking business owners and tradespeople. We discuss construction and home maintenance from multiple angles, and we do it with compassion, purpose, and humor. Listen as Lori Merrick and Sam, along with a wide variety of guests, explore topics related to construction, home ownership, small business creation, and more. A quick reminder, don't forget to send your questions to questions at joecontractorshow.com. And after you've done that, please take a moment to hit the like button, subscribe, or talk about us tomorrow morning at the local coffee shop. We appreciate feedback and critique, and it lets us know that you're out there and that you care. All right. Welcome, everyone, to uh, today's today's episode. I've got Merrick and Lori here with me. Hello, you two. Hello, you two. Hey, everybody. <laughs> hey. Um, so this is a uh, this is our first. We, we've had this uh, idea for a while, so this is not new to us. But and we do call out in the opening credits, and then in the middle, and probably again at the end, for all I can remember. Um, we want you to send us your questions. So whether you're a homeowner or a subcontractor or a contractor yourself, whatever you're doing in construction, if you have questions, um, we are going to non-expertly expertly answer those questions. <laughs> we've got a ton of experience. Um, we've got opinions. We are not looking to uh, provide information that you should live or die by, but we do have a, we, we'll give you something, right? Yep, perfect. Yeah, sounds good. So anyway, uh, what are we in mid June here? It's yep. been uh, summer's uh, finally here. I think it's it, early June yet, but you're we're going. Yeah. We're all moving pretty fast these days. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can see mid June is about to smack me in the face as I'm running along through the first part of it here. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, for all of us, really, construction season is in full swing. It's been harder to find time to get together and do all that, but I'm glad we're here doing this. Yep, How's, good to see you guys. Yeah. 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 Nice to be back out here in the garage with our mics all set up. I know, it's kind of fun, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great space for this. It's sort of perfect. You'll get the road noise every now and again. You got the occasional construction employee walking through, <laughs> causing trouble. I love it. It's perfect. All right, so what we're going to do is uh, we've got a list of questions. Uh, and we are going to, these are legit questions people have asked. And uh, what we're going to do is I'm going to just start reading these things. And I want to hear, I think this will be fun. I want to hear what you guys have to say about these these questions. So are you ready? Yeah, we're ready. Totally ready for this? Question time. Let's oh, do yeah. it. All right. So Lloyd asks, um, as a GC, a.k.a. general contractor, just so people understand, um, and, and when we get into the answer of this question, I do want to sort of hone in on what the difference between a, a contractor in general is, or the perception of what a contractor is, and what an actual GC is. But anyway, uh, as a GC, is it ethical to, in quotes, 
bid shop your subs. You know what Lloyd is asking by that? Do you get that? I get it. Yep. So who wants to take explaining to our audience what bid shopping would mean? I'll, I'll go for it. So if I have my plumber, who I've worked with for 10 years, maybe 20, and um, I want to get better pricing because there's a job that I really want, and I think I can get a plumber with a better price as a GC, I'm going to try and go get a couple more bids from a couple more plumbers. Yep. And I'm going to get possibly a lower bid. So I'm bid shopping my plumber that I've worked with for 20 years. <laughs> Is that cool or not? I think. <laughs> I can kind of tell by just the way you said it. I love it. Yeah, let's hear it. I have a loyalty gene, so I am rarely going to bid shop, um, and I will work with my subcontractors. And, and I might even say, hey, Merrick, you know, I got, that seems a little high. Can you come down a little bit? So that's how I do it. I know everybody does it differently, but I've, I'm, I'm very loyal to my plumber that I've been working with for whatever many years. If it weren't somebody, a sub that I have, hadn't been working with, I'd be more apt to bid. I don't even know. No, I wouldn't bid shop. <laughs> I would say if I like him or not. Did I like that new guy? Right. Kelly, let's meet the new guy. Do we like him? <laughs> right. That's how I do it. How about you, Merrick? Oh, well, very much the same way, I, I believe. I believe in my team, you know, like these people I've been working with for a long time. So if, you know, my electrician, I trust that he's going to be fair with me and give me a fair price. I'm my plumber, same thing. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's immoral to go out and get a bunch of bids. I mean, that's just that's just effective capitalism, you know. Like I guess it is the question is, is it ethical? You know, that it, was what was I, asked of us. I here. don't think sure. it's, I don't think it's unethical. I don't think I, it is I do either. Think, I, I do think it's not very relational, though. <laughs> I think it bites you in the butt. Yeah. <laughs> I really do. I think, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I feel the same. I, I would never bid shop against anyone that I've had a long-term relationship with. If I'm doing something new, I've never done concrete in this way before. I'm looking for a concrete person. I'm still not bid shopping, technically. I'm shopping for the right person. And so if they, I am by no means gonna, going to default to the lowest bid. I'm going to figure out which one of those people I think is the most responsible, the best person to do the job, and then I'm just going to say that's the person we're going with. Yeah, and I, I, think, that's, I think that's an important part is that, you know, you're going to, you know, as far as my subcontractors, I have, you know, I have the guy that I know is just going to show up and do it right every time or Close. There's value in that. And then I've got the guy that's that's really cheap and a little messy. Yeah. That might fit an, a certain job, right? So, so like... Yeah, that's just so, providing your client with the best of your resources for their particular needs. And then and then also, like, but the raw cost of the product, mm-hmm. you know, if, if I'm, you know, I've got my really good plumber coming in who's got all the guys and they show up looking good and clean up when they're done... You know, if the project can't support them, then I it can't support them. You know, it's they don't of, want it, right? Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, like exactly. if someone says, yeah. "I want to do this on the cheap." If, again, that for that GC asking the question, is it unethical? No, I agree with you guys, totally not. 
And as then if you're if you're the homeowner on the other end, you're going, what do you mean you're not shopping around? I want it. I want this number cheaper. I want it down. But I think it, as a homeowner, you need to know that the lowest isn't the best ever. And that's the as contractors or general contractors, we don't choose that either. Yeah. And I think there's also um, sort of the hidden or unspoken cost of the time it takes to shop through those people, too. Right. So, you know, like, sure, I can go shop and get five bids for you, but now I'm charging you whatever the difference is. I'm taking that because you're making me work in a different way when I've already got a, a sub that I love, you know, that... Yeah. So and it goes it goes both ways, you know. Like if I use my if I use this sub on every single project, he's going to make sure to keep his keep his schedule open for me or do the best he can so that when I call, he's going to be there when I need him. Very reciprocal. Yes. Yeah, and I have yet to to have any of my subcontractors uh, show up in a Ferrari. You know, like yeah. they. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's not like. Like the difference of every time I've done any sort of bid shopping like that, you come back with like, what, I'm going to save 800 bucks and I got to deal with this person who's not going to do as good a job as the person I've known forever. Right. There's insurance certificates. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Sally's still not driving a Ferrari. So I'm, I'm cool. We'll, we'll hire her. You know, we'll keep going with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. It is. is. Isn't that fun? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. And then I think what we did not. Uh, get to, and I think we should just quickly preface, and we'll probably do this 19 more times on this show, but a general contractor, a licensed general contractor is a person who can do work within their own company. They maybe have a crew that does certain parts of the project, but generally they are writing contracts on your behalf as a homeowner with other subcontractors um, who, who then, you know, they have contracted to do that work. So the difference there, clients tend to call everybody a contractor. So if, if you know, the plumber shows up, and yes, it's an electrical contractor or whatever, or a plumbing contractor, but they're not then going to contract out the work that we contract them to do to yet another one. That does happen in certain instances, especially in commercial, sometimes that happens. But... Um, Everybody gets lumped into this category of a contractor if you're in the trades. And we tend to break it down more into, are you a GC with a GC license or are you a tradesperson that we're hiring or a subcontractor? Yeah, that's good. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right. Next question. All right. Morgan writes, a homeowner is asking for an itemized statement of time and materials for a job we completed and received payment for months ago. Am I obliged to provide that information even if I could? This is a great <laughs> question. So I, I imagine the project's already been billed for. So they, they completed it and received payment for it many months back. Was it a time and I wonder if it was a time and materials project or a bid project. It was not a time and materials project. They are asking now, after the fact, for a statement of time and materials. I'd say it's none of their business. <laughs> yeah, Lori. Yeah, I don't do time and material, and people ask, but it's not. It's very common that people will say, "Hey, can you break that down for me? What's this or what that?" And honestly, I look at them and I'll say, and honestly, here's what I say is. <laughs> If I did that for you, 
then you could sit down and we could be working through this for days, picking <laughs> picking this apart. I'm going to lose in some areas and I'm going to win in some areas. So that bottom line covers all of that. That's and, the, exactly and I'm just right. straight honest with them on that. Yeah, it's only I. You know, when I first got into this, um, I mean, I've run in. I've gotten myself into legal trouble even over this because I have this desire to be hyper open and honest with people and it's only ever gotten me into trouble so i would say unless you unless this was specified on day one heck no there is no way i'm giving you the ammunition you need to come back at me and say well i you know you were only here for a day doing the (laughs) tile like yeah but the drywall took me three extra days so what do i do about that you win some, you lose some. Right. And I think it's this is a common... I mean, everybody thinks that we do it by time and material. How much does that cost? And I'm like, I'm really putting my neck on the line by giving you an estimate. If I give you an estimate, that's what it is. I might win, I might lose, but we don't get to go over all the details. Right. If I do time and material, we can go over the details. But having done this for over 30 years, <laughs> I will, I've never... And ever do time and materials and then every now and then I do and I go why did I do that I said I would never ever do time and materials <laughs> so it's interesting I'm on the other side of the so I all of our work that we do with the exception of painting and sometimes some cut and dry um, subcontract easily subcontracted stuff everything we do is on a cost plus basis so a remodeling project you know we'll go in and we'll say well that would be between 60 and $80,000, you get charged for the materials, you get charged for the labor that goes into it. If anything comes up, you know, we have a change of scope document that will let mm-hmm. them know like, well, we ran into, here's a picture of some rot that we found and this isn't included in the original scope. We expect this to take eight hours and then keep track of everything on a spreadsheet. You know, it's, it's, um, it requires my whole team to be able to do that though. Because right. my, my, my lead carpenter needs to make sure that he's filling out those those change of scope forms. And i got to make sure that my project manager is communicating to the homeowner that something additional is happening, adjusting the timeline. My accounting, my accountant, well, it's me and somebody else on Friday, we sit down and we do all the accounting. We have to make sure that all the billing for each job, those hours are going, those materials are going to the right project. It's very labor intensive. That's what I didn't like about doing that. Yeah. And I think it's fair to say, just sort of generally speaking, you end up in the same place. True. Like there, there is a cost to the materials, there's a cost to the time, and there's a profit that needs to be derived from this project, and you end up in the same place. But how you get there, um, I don't have... I've I never had the team of support behind me who would sit down and take all of those notes and make sure all of that stuff was happening. So for me, I could look and I'm sure I'm sure you two are similar, but like I could look at a project and say, look, I've been at this a long time. I've done a bunch of these. It's going to cost around a hundred grand. Like it's going to be, it could be 110, it could be 90, but it's going to be around a hundred thousand. And there's five different ways I can get there. Here's generally speaking an allowance that I'm going to give you for certain parts, the materials. If you, you know, if you want gold-plated tile or a gold-plated toilet, now you're going to blow your allowance and then, <laughs> right. and then we're talking a different cost. But I but me putting that toilet in or installing that tile doesn't really change. So, you know, I'm making an estimate based on what I know the time will cost and what I think the materials will cost and here we go, you know. 
I, I think, I mean, this we can talk about this, these estimates and stuff forever. <laughs> it, it, and on, on mine, I don't just say, here's the bottom line and here's what generally we're going to do. My estimates are very, very detailed. So any of the, anything that they want, if it's not on there, we're not, I missed it and we're not doing it. Yeah, so unless you pay so for it's it. not as vague as when I say, here's the bottom line. Yeah. So I think, um, and everybody has a whole different approach. Like, like you just said, Merrick, um, yours is different than mine. And it's, and like what you said, Sam, we, all, we get to the same place. You do. Right. You do. I, I think that, you know, sort of the method behind how you get to the total number that the project costs is, is not terribly important. But I think that um, sometimes people are looking for an advantage or a win out of that. Like, mm-hmm. ooh, I tricked this guy, sort of. You know, I don't know if that's intentional or not intentional, but... But I got three bids for this. They were all kind of within a range, but but I sort of got this person to do it for less because they tripped up on their time and materials stuff, or they gave me a bid that was too low. Like I don't think I, I've very infrequently, if ever, seen a homeowner actually win by getting a job done for less than it was worth. It creates too much trouble. Lose lose. It's a lose lose yeah. for everyone. Yeah. Uh, well, just the other part of my that cost plus billing platform is that my subcontractors bid. They come out, you know, after the demo is done, and they say it's going to be five thousand dollars for the plumbing, and then we just do a percentage markup on top of that. Yeah. The, of the hour time and materials is just for my my main team. My, yep. My staff. That's the way so, that normally works. So yeah, you're kind of you know whether you're using cost plus time time and materials, uh, a straight bid, like you're you're ending up at the same point. So, but I mean, really going back to that question though, like if you did a bid and they're asking you how many hours, like that is just, that's just, you know, what you should tell them is that if, if, if I did this project for, if this project took me longer, like say I bid this project and it took me twice as long as I thought, would you be giving me money back? Yeah. Are we, are we? Are we going to investigate this matter to see how much more money you owe me? <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I'll do that. But but if it's the other way around, if you think you're getting something back from me, no, nah, I'm not investigating this matter. Right. Like, you could pay me to look at those stats. It's not going to change Yeah, anything. we can hire a forensic investigator. We can look through all this. Yes. I don't have time for this. I think that's a fun one. All right, all right. Um, KG asks, and this is one that I, you know, it's, it's an interesting one. One. Uh, how important is a Duns number to a business? I understand it as a credit score for your business. That's what KG asks. I don't know what that is. I, th- I thought that might be the case with this, but it's Duns. Duns numbers have become more of a thing. Do you do you know anything about? I Duns don't. Uh uh-uh. Okay. Well, so it's Dun and Bradstreet, oh. and Dun and Bradstreet will send out all this stuff. And the way my understanding of it is that. Dun and Bradstreet, or your Dunn's number, is sort of the most recent evolution of creating a credit score or credit profile for your company that isn't 100% dependent upon you as the, you know, primary backer of that credit, right? So you're you're creating an actual because you know, like when you start these businesses and you go to get money, they're like. Yeah, cool. The business isn't actually borrowing the money. It's all guaranteed right. by you. <laughs> like, right. huh. Yeah. So I don't know much about it, but I would say that the Dunn's number, to answer the question, um, Dunn's numbers and your registration with Dunn's is becoming more and more 
of an important thing, but at the same time, watch out for those sharks because they will, you can go get your DUNS number for free, um, and then they'll offer you all these other services. So just avoid that part of it. Get, go ahead, register and, for a DUNS number. And with anything like that, really, before you go into it, figure out what they're all about. Figure out what not to say. Figure out that you're coming in there so that you're not, you know, putting yourself to get, you know, because these big companies are going to come in there, going to know what to say. Yeah. They're going to have a lawyer that's telling them what to say. And you go in there as a small time guy, you can get eaten alive by these. Big yeah, guys. that's a that's a good point. So I think, you know, we all get those letters that look very official and they're like, your registration with the state is up and and. For this fee, for $150 or $250 or whatever, let us do that for you. And then you go and you look and you're like, oh, I can do that online for free myself, like just through the state website. So there is something about DUNS that is legitimate. Don't pay for anything. Go get your DUNS number. That's fine. But then leave it at that. That's what I would yeah. say. That's, yeah, and there's a lot. Of, just like we didn't know this answer and know what it was, we get uh, emails all the time. And um, Sewer in the office might say, should I just pay this? And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> Do you know what it is? No, I thought you did. And I'm like, I don't know. Well, should I pay it? No. Research it. Right. Research, research, research. I mean, yeah. I, I think something, you know, I think that people are fed up with the review, the online review thing. It's really just inaccurate representation of the company. Because Wait a minute. You don't, you, you think that online reviews are a farce? Is that what you're telling me? Like people pay to have their online reviews. Did you have your friends check in? Yeah. What are you talking about? Mar yeah. Nobody it's all a bunch that. of shit. It seems corrupt. It's all a bunch of shit. And we know it. I mean, there's, there's so little about that that's to be trusted these days because you can pay you can pay a company to that hires, you know, a farm of people somewhere off in a foreign land that that write 50 reviews about you all at once that all sound great until you read them and you're like, well, these people clearly didn't have anything to do with this, you know, mm -hmm. but whatever. Yeah, that's a whole nother I can't topic. believe your cynicism, Merrick. <laughs> Yeah, it's terrible. I, I have trust issues. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I avoid all that stuff like the plague. Yeah. Too. Well, and we'll get into some of these. Uh, I know, I know. In the second half, we're gonna we're gonna end up coming up against my kind of favorite question that pops up all the time. But all right, here's another one for us. Um, Frankie says, "I've just been invited to bid on military base work. Looking for any kind of insight, or advice, or warnings." So federal government, military base, Ooh. Sounds sketchy. That's my, <laughs> that's my professional uh, recommendation. I'm with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lori, any, any experience with government commercial stuff? Or? Um, yeah, run. <laughs> They're always looking for the low bid. That's what I they always it. say it, too. I'm I like, oh, it. no way. I'm not doing it. I'm not bidding it. And as a... Uh, I get a lot of solicitations, RFPs from uh, government. Would you care to explain for people what an RFP is? Uh, request for proposals. Yep. So the, they'll send it all out. The the big GCs, they have no employees. They everything is subbed out. So they send it out, and they want you to uh, give a bid. And they're um, getting lots of bids, and looking for the low bid. So a lot of the government. Uh, RFPs will also um, they have a they they have to find 
minorities and women, or try to. So right. that so that's why I always get these requests. And sometimes it's just somebody's like, well, you, you know, there's no women electrical contractors. You should be getting these jobs. And I'm like, no, no, I don't want any of them. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. So you sort of you you check a box in a certain way for people, so they have to they're going to send you stuff like that. Like yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah equality. That's, there you go. I mean, it's uh, that that to me is like. That's got to be just a pain in the butt for you. A lot of emails that I delete. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, 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 every now and then I think, oh, I should check into one of these or something. But it's, it never comes down to being a minority. It's who you know. Yeah. It always ends up being who you know. So I've gotten some city projects because of who I know. I knew the architect who said, hey, Laura, you should bid on this. And I'm like, should I? Yeah, you should. I'm like, okay, I will then. Thanks. Yeah, if there's enough money in it yeah. and everything. Yeah. I mean, in the real world, not the government you know, picking through, trying to find the lowest bid. I mean, in the real world, a a vote of confidence from a client or somebody else that you're in the trades with is worth a lot of dollars on that proposal. Oh, like yeah. If you're Absolutely. over by quite a bit, but you have the good reference, you're probably going to get that job. Yeah, I, I've, uh, you know, come to the realization that underbidding or whatever, bidding anything low has never done me or anyone else any good. So I think I said that earlier, but it's... I think we've probably all done it. <laughs> no, no, we would never do it again. It's terrible. It is. Well, and I will say this. Uh, I don't know anything about government work, but I do know that the work gets done. So someone's got that system figured out. And even though they're searching for the lowest bid, so are our clients. We're always competing against people, generally speaking, looking for the lowest bid. Um, I think it's it's a mandate that the government use the lowest bid as the problem there, right? Right. Um, but I would assume that because of the very nature of, of that bidding process, that the people who do bid it should not be, they should be in cahoots with each other to bid somewhat high so that they're not constantly screwing each other in the, in the deal, I would think. And I do know that... A lot of that work gets done and someone's doing it and someone's probably figured out how to work that system and make money off of it. So I would say for us in the residential world, run. Right. <laughs> yeah. But if you but if I think it's I think it can be a really good opportunity for the right type of contractor or the right type of person who We've done it. a couple of Bacon Davis um, projects. And what I have learned, there's, there's only two ways that you win. One is um, qu- quantity. Yeah. You just get a whole bunch of them. And two is there people, I found out, I'm bidding on stuff, and I did find out there people are working together and, you know, trying to work, work the system. So there's a whole, it's, it's a game, and I don't really know. And, but I have done a few projects, and I've done the Bacon Davis. And I'm like, what do you mean you didn't pay that, that carpenter? $60 an hour. That's what it says for July 5th of 2022. <laughs> <laughs> right. For the, you know, so they have their, their rates that you have to follow. And it's great because it you know, gives an opportunity for your employees to make more money. It's a paperwork nightmare um, for a small business. Yeah, that's what would keep me from Yeah, and, so, and then there's so, there's so much paperwork when what I found in a couple projects I did was Everybody got paid more money than the project. The project was maybe a hundred thousand dollars, and maybe two hundred thousand went out, and for the architect fees and for the paperwork fees. And I thought yeah. that money could have just went toward that historical project. Right. Well, my suggestion to the writer would be that you know find if you're interested in this, you know, getting in 
with government contracts could be a really steady, reliable, year-round thing. But find a mentor. Find somebody that's already done this so that yeah, you know don't how just to go get at in it alone. Yes. And your first, you know, getting in the door is going to be the hardest part. Once you're in there and they know that this company has been doing these jobs and they've been getting done well, just like anything else, you're more likely to be able to start raising your numbers. You have a little bit more leverage to work with. And I do suspect that it's kind of a heavily protected system, meaning that there are already people in there who already understand the system, who are resistant to allowing outsiders in. So, but I agree. If 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 it if it's something you're interested in, I would say just don't expect it to be the thing that makes your bread and butter on day one or whatever. But go ahead, figure out the process and give it a shot. Find somebody in the system. I like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's yeah. find a mentor. People love to tell you about how they built their businesses and how they do it. And it's, it's, you know, you'd think that people would guard that stuff. But what I found is that most business owners are happy to share. Yeah. Yep. I like it. Well, um, I'm not, I'm not going to get into this next one cause this will take us, you know, way too long. So let's, uh, we're going to break for our first half here. Um, and maybe grab some some water. I'm hearing a little fuzz in the in there again. Darn it! Yeah. Um, we'll figure that out. But it's I know it's not ruined anything. But anyway, so uh, yeah, whatever. Thanks thanks for sticking with us through question and answer period one, first half of the show. I liked it. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> We'll be back to the show after a few quick ads from our valued sponsors. Wonder Woman Construction is a Minneapolis-based, woman-owned, residential and commercial construction and electrical company. Lori and her team pride themselves on their commitment to long-term green and sustainable building practices, and they apply their deep understanding of building science to each project they take on. They are dedicated to the complete satisfaction of every client. One more thing that you absolutely cannot miss about Wonder Woman Construction is the fact that every employee loves what they do and truly enjoys working with each other. The best projects are those that are done by happy people. And Wonder Woman Construction is full of happy people. Visit WonderWomanConstruction.com to get started on your happiest project ever. Kinetic Legacy is the company that powers the Joe Contractor app. Their unique platform blends the good parts of social tech with their one-of-a-kind data organizing system, giving communities, large and small, a safe, private space to stay connected and to keep information and memories organized. If you and your community have a shared purpose or passion and are looking for a better way to stay connected, contact Kinetic Legacy today at kineticlegacy.us. Find out how groups from contractors to campers, tribal communities, unions, and alumni organizations are finding their way to meaningful new spaces in this increasingly digital world. Again, that's kineticlegacy.us. Reader Home Restorations is a Minnesota-based, full-service residential general contracting company specializing in the repair and painting of historic homes. 
Whether your home needs repairs, painting, or remodeling, Reader Home Restorations has got you covered. We understand that every home, client, and project is unique. At Reader Home Restorations, we pledge to give you a long-lasting product while paying close attention to client questions and concerns. Check us out at www.readerhomerestorations.com. That's Reader, spelled with two E's, homerestorations.com. The Joe Contractor Show doesn't let just any old company put an ad in the middle of a show this important. They have to pay us. Send us an email if you're certain your business should be featured on our show. Good. Good. We're ready. Second half here. Um, thanks for sticking with us through the break. Uh, we know it's short. Um, we are, uh, you know, we're open for sponsors. I think uh, it says it in the middle. You have, you have to pay. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what sponsorship is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just want to make it clear to people, you know, yep. because uh, because these are uh, these are fun to make and we're going to keep doing it. But uh, no, we're. We're looking to move this thing forward. We're ready for the Joe Contractor app to be out, which we're, we're working on. Um, things are moving along well there. And who knows, this show, once it's uh, fully launched, and we're, I mean, I imagine you're just thrilled to be listening. That's, that's the way I see it. <laughs> On the cutting edge. <laughs> we've, we've entertained and delighted you thus far. Um, so there you go. Uh, anything new in either of your lives before we get into these questions, or you want to just go at it? I got total blanks out of both of them. They're like, oh. Where do we start is what we're looking at. <laughs> <laughs> What's new? Yeah, yeah it's... Uh, One of my guys will hopefully be coming back after his broken arm. <laughs> it's broken been since arm. March. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. On the job? Yep, of course. Of course. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's awful. Yep. So I'm excited to get him back. Yeah, of course. Of course. I'm at the tail end of going through a couple of years of accounting and getting everything oh. up to oh. zero, which is, uh, oh, man, hundreds God. of hours of time. Yuck. I owe an insurance <laughs> audit that is really an easy one. It shouldn't be hard at all. I had so little work that I did and so few subs and stuff, but... I still hate the insurance audits. Oh, I know. That's one of the one of the things I was so thrilled to give over to other people years ago, and now I don't have anyone else, uh, so I have to do it myself again. And I'm like, oh, it's like pulling teeth. Yeah, yuck. I give it to somebody else. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then there are those weird people out there, and you know, bless your hearts, who sort of like that stuff. Uh, no, you're like, what happened to you in childhood that you like this? <laughs> like. Yeah. Well, there's there somebody, right? Any of those jobs I don't like doing, there is somebody out there that loves to do that. I know. Which is just one of the amazing things that... I know. Well, it, this morning I read that 17 things to wreck your... The worst things you can do for your business, and one of them is to do the things you don't want to do. Mm. I should get a proposal writer. <laughs> <laughs> there aren't any. Oh, it doesn't exist. <laughs> Oh, God, it's so hard. I could, you know what I could do for you? I I don't want to write the proposals, but I could go to the place and say, this is about 80 grand. 
Like yeah. I, I was always really accurate <laughs> at that, but then writing every single right. part of it down and explaining why, like well, Sam will be there for a four minute estimate. Yep. <laughs> and it's just, you're just going to have to trust it. <laughs> He's pretty close. Most of the time. Good enough. <laughs> uh, funny. All right. Um, Harold writes in Harold asks, this is one I like. This is about employees. What do you guys do with employees that aren't performing? So I have a guy that has worked with me for a while. I know he's capable of a lot. He's a good carpenter. So it's like he's just milking the clock. He leaves early. The problem is, if I just fire him, I'm down to three guys. Any advice? Classic. (laughs) Oh, my God. I knew you'd like that one. I knew knew if we got into this one before the break, too, I'd be sitting here forever because this is a there's there's a lot to this there is merrick you, you lit up you yeah, know man. so let's hear it let's hear it yeah well i mean that's it's a really it's a really hard thing but um i think just having i think starting at the beginning have a clearly defined um you know culture for your company this is how we when we show up we work hard all day long if hmm. we run into something that we can't do ourselves and we need help we ask for it like having it kind of broken down so that everybody on your team is not getting stuck just from a fundamental point of view and then I think once you notice something you need to say something right away to that person and you need to be like and not not to attack them just be like hey you know I was looking at the hours today and you know I thought it was four hours and it it looks like you took eight what's going on Yep. I think uh, I'm going to just mentally make some bullet points here. I think that mentioning culture, your own company culture, is a super important point. And then the second one you said was get on top of things kind of respectfully and promptly. Right. So, yep. Sooner is better. Yep. Sooner than later is one of our mantras. Yep. I think those are, those are really valid. Did you have more yeah, you wanted well, to say? Well, I think about? another thing is just as an owner... In a position in authority, you need to make it safe for those people to bring you things. And if you're blowing up on them, if they if they're scared of you, oh, then they're then they're they're gonna just they're gonna do the best they can. And people are slow and do poor quality work unless they have somebody guiding them in the right direction. The best people. I mean, when I first started, you only ever got yelled at. No one ever said a nice yeah. word about anything. No, and it was all. It was all people who, you know, uh, loved me, I think. These were like my uncles I was working for. And it was, you know, every name in the book. And you did anything, you did anything wrong and they were just, they'd throw things at you, yell at you, berate you. Yeah, fr- you know. Framing crews are like that probably still yes. to this day. Yeah, yeah, yeah there are, are definitely crews yes. out there. Concrete, you know, some of the rougher yeah. trades. I had one guy just uh, work for me part-time for a couple years and he was like that and there's some of my crew that would couldn't or wouldn't work from him with him and there's a couple that said i don't mind it you know but he did that he'd yell at you and throw oh. stuff and oh yeah so this is like recently like two years ago well pre-covid so yeah. maybe like three years ago but yeah. i'm like okay i think we're done Nobody, now we're down to zero people with you. Because how come nobody works with me? Because <laughs> you're a jerk. <laughs> you're an asshole. Yeah, I don't, I don't particularly like that quality in anyone. 
you know, I think there's just better ways to deal with it. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't think it's outrageous for people to get occasionally you see a little bit of getting heated, but like, I don't ever, I'm just so mellow about everything. I've never yelled at anyone on a job site or anything like that. Like find different ways to deal with it. But, um, so the, here's a, here's a, a, a point that I'd like to make. Cause well, one is how do you find a good carpenter? Mm-hmm. And two is how do you get all the best traits out of that carpenter or are they, you know, so I, so I look at it now as, um, some t- I look for their good points, their good traits. So I had a guy that was, uh, um, got to be a pretty good carpenter. His speed was slow. Yeah. He was never going to get fast, ever. Some people just can't. No, so yeah. I, instead of focusing on the negative, I thought about, is he worth keeping? He's got some, He's got positive traits. So the positive traits, so I look in our company now, I'm like, we all have positive negative traits and you can't change anybody that's what they you can make small <laughs> changes but nothing big there's no every time he goes every review he goes i know you're going to tell me i'm slow <laughs> yes you're slow but on the other hand he had a lot of other good traits and he was meticulous yeah no callbacks and he was very good at communication with the office and with the client so he would ask the client is this good? Is there anything else you need me to do? We didn't have to go to his job sites. Yep. So, um, you know, did we make bank on him? No. <laughs> but we also, but he had enough good traits that I also had a fast carpenter at the time that we could make bank on. But there's some callbacks. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a toss-up. It's a, it comes down to is it loyalty, trust, honesty, and communication with each employee. And if it's all good, then, you know, you try to make it work. That's yep. how I look I, at it. I got another thing on this. So, yeah, the, go ahead. you know, if if this person that you're talking about has a clearly defined scope of work, has the knowledge and tools to get the thing done, and they're in fact milking the clock, then you need to fire them because that is dishonest. Sure. Yeah. And and um, I agree with that. You know, so I mean, that's. Yeah. And if and I've never every time I've ever let anybody go, I've had somebody else better come in. And in that vacuum, I don't know what it is, but for some something well, you get hungry. You get hungry to find the right person. Right. Yeah. And you know, and um you know, suffering drives innovation. Yeah, sticking with the subpar never was going to fix the problem anyway, yeah. so you've got this, you know, subpar employee that you you have to let go, and then and then you've got this fire lit under you to find someone good. <laughs> right. I think it's your fear that that might be keeping that person around. True. But I do get keeping somebody around for a month or so so that you don't <laughs> screw yourself over. Right. There's a there's a fine line. You don't want to just get rid of your whole team and then end up losing your CEO role and going back to being uh, hands on. Or yeah, I mean, so I, I have a. I agree with everything you two have said, and I have a, just a slightly different perspective, I think, or, or you know, a caveat to what you've said, I guess. But um, I never had so many people in my construction life that I had to really worry about that. You know, the people who worked, we hired a few guys every now and again who'd be with us for a little while, but we sort of knew what we were getting when we hired, you know, the 20-year-old neighbor kid or whatever, like... It, you know, I looked at it like if we're paying you 15 bucks an hour, I, 
you know, what is that in a day? Let's say 110 bucks or whatever, right? I better see you do $110 worth of something I don't want to do. If, if you're not working the full eight hours, I kind of expect that of you. But all of those buckets of, of dirt that need to get moved from over here to over there better be done by the end of the day so that <laughs> I don't have to do it. Okay. And if it takes me two hours, that's, you know, I'm billing at a much higher rate than this kid. And if it takes him eight hours, so be it. You know, that's one thing I looked at. But, but having people around who don't have great work ethic brings everybody down. Yeah. So, you know, as long as they're trying and they're doing stuff and they're not playing on their phone or whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll let someone's inexperience, you know, let them be less productive than anyone else, just as knowing that they need to get trained up or whatever. But the other side of this, so I did, uh, when I, when I worked for a boys camp, I worked there for a long time, 15 years or whatever. And I was, I was in charge of a much larger pool of kids, counselors. And what I sort of realized over time is like, you're, you're never going to get the same thing. You don't want, you know, robots. You're never going to get the same thing out of everybody. So if you take a step back from, from this desire to feel like employee A and employee C should have the same output and be, and you sort of always relate it back to yourself. Cause I know when I was doing construction, I'd look at it and be like, I could have had three of these done by now. What's taking you so long or whatever. Right. But I, th I would say that within like larger corporate structures, they kind of always know that they're going to have, they're going to get something out of some of these people 50% of the time. They're going to get something out of some of them 30% and some of them 90%, you know? And as long as I look at it like it's sort of doing ourselves a disservice if we expect that everybody who shows up is constantly fully engaged and, you know, doing their the hardest work possible all day, every day. That's not to cut them slack, but I just think you have to look at it in total and say, you know, and, and have conversations with them. But like you said, if they're milking the clock, if they're purposefully taking from you, that's way different than I'm slow and meticulous. Right. You know? Yeah. Milking is a whole different deal. I would say that that person then what I, what I say to uh, my employees is, if it's not working for one of us, it's not working. And you, I want to, as I give a ton of independence and responsibility to each uh, employee for them to be, uh, show up on their own, discuss with their, each crew member, whatever. But I've also gotten a little more lax in, um, if you don't want to work eight hours, you don't have to work eight hours. You don't have to show up right at eight o'clock. You can, you guys decide what time you want to show up, you know, between eight thirty and nine is fine, but whoever, but there's gotta be a lead. Um, but, but it's a, it's, I want people to want to be here and I want them to be here. And if, so that's a win-win. And if, if one of us doesn't want some, it's not working. And if somebody's milking the clock, obviously they don't want to be there. Mm. They're done. Yeah, milking it's a is cancer because while they're milking yep. the clock, they're oh, talking to the other guy, else yep. or they're setting the standard too low. Oh yeah. Oh, um, and the other people are working, and they're now mad. But, yep, it's but, not fair. Yeah. But you yeah. might perceive milking the clock 
as somebody that actually doesn't have the tools and the knowledge that they need to successfully complete the thing that you think that you could complete in a certain amount of time. Like if they're sitting there thinking that's your fault. Or maybe it's their process or they're hired to think. Yeah. And then you should be working that into your estimate. Right. Yep. So it, perception is a big thing here. Yep. You might You're kind of getting into what I was getting yes. at is sometimes, yes. I mean, I, I would have counselors at camp that there would be a few guys who were so dynamic. They were awesome with every single kid they came in contact with. And then there were a few guys that like, I only ever saw you shine six times during the summer, but you reached a few people that we would have never been able to reach otherwise. And I think I apply that in the construction thing like if if you know so and so is not the greatest when we're doing trim work or something then and and the only thing we have right now is trim work it's kind of on me that they're not we're not putting them in the best position to shine but then when you do these other things man that guy can cut stair treads or something you know like mm-hmm. they can do this other thing super well so you kind of got to find a balance mm-hmm. right Yep. And if they're not happy, they're going to work slower and not do as good of a work. And, and that's a whole separate issue. You know, yeah. if they're milking the clock because they're not happy, then they don't want to be there. You don't want to be there. No, it's done. No. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, yeah. And the, and the trades, you got to remember, like, it's not always easy to find people either. No. Like, it's, it can be pretty difficult to find. Especially in, like, August or... September when the season's really rolling, you know, like you lose somebody and it might be hard to find somebody new. Yeah. So, and I think that goes back to the first thing you said, Merrick, which I do think is very important. And that is that, you know, you can, you can get away from, from having these issues be bigger issues somewhat by establishing a culture within your company that where the expectation is universal, the, the things you want from people, the expectations of the people that work for you are well known, well out in front, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that people talk about the importance of workplace culture enough. So, well, and I think even in, especially in construction, right? Like we don't have an HR department in general. Like we're not <laughs> no, like, we're all small, we're not like, owners. you know, we're not being affected by these like policy changes that are happening in America's corporations or whatever. Right. Like, we don't have 401ks often. We don't have <laughs> child in, in-house child care or anything. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's a different world. And I, I think there's, you know, there's this sort of expectation that everybody just be a complete beast when it comes to doing work or something. And people have complicated lives and they might have kids they need to, you know, deal with, they might be up late with problems or whatever. So finding out what the reason is behind the yep. the right. issue is always important. Um, I don't know. Did you, uh, I read an article about Amazon's protocol about hiring and firing and they kept employees around for two years and then they'd move on, get a new brunch. So they moved people through because they said people would get slower and and not, and not interested as much. And you mean like almost jobs. without regard for their actual performance? Exactly. They would just get rid oh, of people? Yeah. 
Really? Uh-huh. It was an article I read and said that that works really well for them because they get people when they're super excited and they're going to work hard at the beginning. <laughs> they know they're getting fired and in then they're years. <laughs> and then they, then they just move them through. And How I, and cold? I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure it was Amazon. I could be wrong again. Oh, know, for I'm, sure. They're the I'm not, I'm not all about oh, okay. <laughs> They're not going to sponsor us anyway. <laughs> Damn it, we lost Shoot. Amazon. <laughs> we were so close. <laughs> we love you, Amazon. Thank you for delivering stuff. All the Apple day. treats their employees really well. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're going to want to. We, we don't really want your advertising on our show anyway. We don't want to be associated. Uh, that's funny. But yeah, so it's a you know, whole different look at it. But. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, you can kind of get away with that sort of stuff when you're employing 200,000 people and you're, it's just, they're just numbers on yeah. a page, do you? You know? We have to deal with a lot different stuff because we tend to get to know all of these people really well. And <laughs> mm-hmm. you're sort of looking at someone you've known for a few years and you're like, oh, God, do I have to fire this person or should I try and help them? Or yeah. are they going through? I mean, I've had I've had all sorts of weird things going on in people's lives that cause trouble at work. But I wish I could just like throw in a zip recruiter ad right now. Like, <laughs> And that's why you should try ZipRecruiter. You have had good luck with that, though, haven't you? We can talk about ZipRecruiter without without them being. But you have had I mean, good luck finding people on. ZipRecruiter. I have. I put my whole team together with them. Yeah. You know, they take they take my ad and they send it out to a bunch of different message boards. So I'm getting a wide. I have a wide net. And then you know they have some tools there that can help you maintain because that's one of the tough things too. You get. 30 people get back to you from an ad campaign and then who, who has the manpower of the time Jeez. to track each of these and figure out what status they're in and, and all yeah. that. So they, they help with that a little bit too, but, but it's real people. I don't know. Carpenters it's unbelievable and, to me. That, they well, find carpenters too? Yeah, carpenters, wow. painters. Until they pay us, we don't want to give them too much of an ad. But I do, <laughs> think, it's, I do think it's cool that you've had success with that because you know certainly Indeed is not a place to look for construction oh, i tried them both no. at the same yeah. time right I, I ran craigslist is tough yeah you know um i used to be word of mouth i mean i do kind of hope that honestly i do sort of envision that joe contractor the app as it moves forward couldn't be a resource for that in a certain way mm-hmm. because it's one of those things we don't talk about a lot but it is it's hard it's hard to figure out where the network of construction is these days right um I, it feels like it's all really disjointed. Like there used to be, there used to be maybe fewer people doing it, and they were kind of all knew each other ish or something. Yeah, I don't know. it's definitely disjointed. It's not like you can go on Indeed or LinkedIn or you know. So I'm always saying, where do you find? Like I just said to Merrick, where do you, do you find them? <laughs> well, and and the flip side of that is, where do they find you? Right. You know, like the how how does someone who wants a job in the construction industry or in the trades aside from in the commercial trades or unions where where that's pretty clear where you go but like just to come find us like how do how do they do that I'd, maybe they don't exist even i don't know i don't i it's, it's a good question too uh, we do get a lot i think just because of being a woman and wonder just because i'm wonder woman i get a lot of a uh, lot of applicants looking for jobs but not the experienced applicants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's where I struggle. I, when I put out ads for it years ago, I, it was amazing to me who would actually apply. I would get kids, you know, 19, 20, 21-year-old, not wanting to go to college, maybe still in college, but looking for something to do, you know, 
but very inexperienced. Or I'd get like retirees. Uh-huh. Like, you know, I, I've always known a little bit about construction. I just retired from this job doing this and I'm 63 years old and I want to work and I'd interview them because I, I'm thinking like, well, that's cool. I don't want to discriminate, you know, for any, just for that. But I, it was always so hard to just find the right people to work. So I don't know. I'm just, I just feel so blessed to have such an awesome team. That well, <laughs> <laughs> on you i'm just saying good, good just job like, merrick no, I mean, you know but like i think it's a company culture it's like my ad that i put out there is like look we're trying to build this family we're trying to build this like this group of people that can work together and make great things happen and that weeds a lot of people out a lot of people are like well, yeah. i'm just looking for a job like, right not, true i think the more honest you are in your ad yeah. you know i've had to hire on the digital side of things and I just lay it out flat out. Like, this is where we're at. This is what I'm trying to do. And don't apply for this job without writing me a cover letter that is unique to this to this thing. Mm-hmm. And it weeds a lot of people out. So I have a, I am I am um, I'm a risk risk taker, but coming down to employees right now and just hiring. I'm not being a very good risk taker because we have a great crew, the best crew I've ever had, that gets along with each other Yeah, and me. And I'm so averse at hiring somebody that won't then see if they're going to fit in or if they're going to wreck everything. <laughs> so I, we need to hire, and I'm looking, but I'm just kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. It's such a tough move to be bringing people into, and it, and it costs it costs money right off the bat. Right. It always is like this hit you take, yep. and then it pays dividends down the road. I get it. But that that initial thing, it's like, oh, God, am I going to make this work? All right, let's do, uh, let's do one more question here. I'm going to throw us a, a little softball, a little easy one that we can finish <laughs> with. Um, Pat writes, what's the best compressor for the money? Framing fences and occasionally, occasionally finish carpentry. Why is that a softball, right? What what makes that? Because you can't answer that question. <laughs> Come on, Pat. But what do we think about it? What do you think about tools? Just curious. Well, I, I think as far as compression compressors, there's kind of three Ooh. different categories. Right. I'd say there's you know the big old do everything like actual air volume that you can roll move air. from the compressor to whatever all the different things are. You know, yeah. a big one. Yeah. And then there's one that's portable that'll get the job done. Yeah. And then there's the quietest, lightest yeah. one God, that I you can actually one. use inside of someone's house without Aren't those nice the these dead. days? The quiet yeah. ones are heavy, though. That's the difference. I mean, they that's make the these part. little teeny. Oh, those little ones. Those little yeah. teeny ones oh, that yeah. can fire off just your, your little nailer. But or you like be one framing nail. No, no. no, you can't do that. Not even a framing nailer, really. Just one nail. Oh, one yeah, nail. Yeah, one nail, one nail. But, and then it needs a few minutes to recycle. Right. Yeah, they are nice, though, if you're just firing a few pin nails or brad nails into something and you and you don't want to disturb everyone and you just carry this cute little thing in there but um gas powered ones too right <laughs> that's why when i read this question i'm like come on you know, what's the best compressor it's it's a fun question though in a certain way because we all do have our our tools that we love and our things that we 
but you know, it kind of the root of it is like, who do you ask? How do you find the the best kind of tool for your category? Which is again, and I, you know, now I'm sounding like an advertisement for Joe Contractor, but I think what what I would be doing if I were looking that up is to find the network of people who do something similar trade wise. Mm-hmm. And then asking them specifically, right. hey, you guys, what have you had the best success with? Or, or just looking at the job sites like, okay, I'm going to buy a siding gun. Well, I know that everybody uses Hitachi and Matoba yep. siding nailers. So yep. that's what I'm going to look at first. And then I'm going to be like, okay, let's see if other companies are trying to compete with them. If I'm not using it every day, maybe I can get something a little cheaper. But probably not. I'm probably going to go and I'm going to be like, if I'm going to start a roofing company, I'm going to go buy a gas-powered roller, yep. double tank. They are nice looking. They're made thing, in Wisconsin, and I'm going something. to have, you know, Hitachi nailers. I'm going to copy whatever that pro team is using in general. Yeah, and and it's it's specific to different parts of the trade. Like like Hitachi made the best roofing nailers forever. I don't know if that's still the case, but that's that's the one you wanted, you know. And then they what still is, do well, Matabo. Actually, yeah. Yeah, bought yeah. Hitachi, I think, or yeah, or I Hitachi mean, bought the name. I can't. They didn't even used to be available commercially available in this area until a while back. Is what I, you know. But anyway, I just remember everyone. You know, you had Hitachi if you were if you were a serious roofer. You had the Hitachi roofing dealer. If you were doing trim work inside, you might have a whole different suite of like Senko or something. You know that like, but you don't buy their roofing nailer because it's crap. You right. know, but you do buy their pin nailer or whatever. So, I mean, I think ultimately that's where you kind of, yeah, you have to find networks of people. You see what other people are doing. It also comes down to that same old adage, don't buy cheap, no matter what. Don't mm, get a cheap, something cheap. True. It does not pay. Unless you're just going to use it once. Yeah. Like literally, if you're going to use it that one time and set it down, it's going to sit there for ten years. Then you might as well go it. buy the Harbor Freight one to shoot a couple nails. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right, but um, but that goes to like I kind of hate buying tools that I know I'm only going to use once. Like I, it just I, there's so much clutter. Then I've got tools that it's like, well, I got to have this just for today, and it's a hundred bucks, and it's going to save me five hours of work so i gotta buy it but i know i'm never gonna use it again it sort of sucks because renting them's not not worth it generally either no not on that low end like that no they're crap or jackhammers and stuff like that yeah i'll rent some heavy equipment that i don't want to shell out 2500 bucks for or whatever. Well, with yeah. cost plus you can just take that rental charge and charge it to the client you can do it with bidding thing. too you just throw it right in there oh yeah <laughs> I know I'm gonna. I know I'm gonna need to rent it. It's all the same. It's all the same. Uh, that kind of brought it full circle. That brought it yeah, full it circle. All right, you two. Well, I don't know. I, you know, it's uh, when you're sitting here and your your garage is lovely. This is a great spot for us to do this. I love the sound of this place, and I think our show is coming along nicely. But. We're talking to an audience that we don't we don't know for sure that they even exist. Like, who was it? Your your cousin or something? Who was? No, it was uh, Steve Sywick's cousin. So, or Tom bro- brother Tom Sywick. Tom Sywick. Yeah, my name. I'm bad with names. Always have been. Anyway, no, it's his brother, right, down in Florida. That's our, our like one listener. 
Not anymore because I got the name wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Go! I ruined everything. 100% of our listeners just left. <laughs> I ruined it. No, what we would appreciate is uh, what I'm getting at is go ahead, hit the subscribe button. We're not charging you anything. Hit subscribe. Uh, you know, like whatever you can. Do the social thing, whatever that is. I don't even understand how it all works, but do something. Write us a note. Uh, send us questions. We appreciate it so that we know that you're actually listening. So that's all I got to say. All right. Good? Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap this up then. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to another amazing episode of the most important show out there. Before we go, we want to thank you again for supporting us and for all the lovely things you say about us on social media. Shows like this grow with help from people like you. And remember, keep sending us your questions. We really appreciate the stories and the great insights we gain from our audience. We also want to remind you that you can buy shirts, hats, and more at joecontractorshow.com. Be good to each other, and we'll catch you on the next show. 